So it is good to be with you tonight. And uh, my sermon for you tonight, or my word, and I don't even want to call it a sermon, it's not three points in a poem, and it's kind of all over the place because that's just how it came together for me. And, uh, but I believe if you really just lean in, I believe you're here what God's trying to say for our church, for you in this next season. Do you believe that? How many of you like New Year's resolutions and all of that stuff? Personally, I don't. Not that I don't make them every year, but that's about all that I do with them. Can I get a water as well? They never quite stick for me, so I usually, you know, make them and then that's about it. But one thing that bothers me is, is I came actually across this funny video. I was going to show it tonight, but then I realized there's a lot of kids in this service. And, uh, but it's of some girl, and she must have been in a boxing tournament. And it uh, says how we're leaving 2022. And they're interviewing her after the boxing tournament, and she's all busted up and bleeding. And she, was, and she just kind of says, oh, it was great. It was a different experience. Thank you for it. Bye. I'm out. <laughs> and sometimes... You know, when we leave one year, that's kind of how we can approach it as, you know, thanks, Mike, I appreciate, appreciate it. We're not all polished tonight. Is that all right? Just having church on a Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can look back and we can make these statements of, well, I can't wait to get out of this year. And, you know, sometimes I don't think that's a fair thing to do. And I know for some of us, some years are tougher than other years, and maybe, you know, you've lost a loved one in this past year, or you walked through a difficult season in this past year, and maybe for you, it's like, hey, that year was, was bad, but I think sometimes when we just put a blanket statement over an entire year, it's a wrong way of thinking, because there has to be something in that year that you can find to give God praise, glory, and honor for, for nothing else than you're coming out of the year, still standing, still alive, still in your natural mind, hopefully, you know, still with some sense of sanity going on with you. Come on, there's, there's something somewhere that you can give God praise on. There's always opportunities to see the blessing of God in every season. So regardless of what this past year looked like for you, I just want to encourage you in that. Just begin to find, you know what, here's what happened well. Here's what God did well. Amen? But what I do like to do at the conclusion of a year is I like us to pray and, and prophetically uh, begin to seek God on what his heart would be for the new year. And I believe whenever you begin to lean in and ask God, he always responds. And since I've been a kid, I, I would watch my mother as she passed her to church do this uh, every year, you know, going into the next year. What is the word of the Lord for this next season? And, uh, you know, as, as I've pastored the last 18 years, I've continued to do the same thing. And I do it for myself personally, for my family, for our, and then obviously for our church family. Because what God wants to do in this church, he wants to do in you. Yeah. Right, amen? Yeah. All right. So, so. We lean in and hear what the, uh, the voice of the Lord is wanting to say to us prophetically for a new year. And already God has spoken some things to me that uh, concerning us as a church for 2023. And very excited about some of those things. And don't worry, it's not another building project. We're running out of this one. All paid for in Jesus' name. And... Uh, 
And uh, we're just going to keep our eyes focused on what we're called to do and just thank God that we're done with that. Amen. But we have Heart for the House Sunday, which is January 22nd. Uh, here at the church, and that's where we really kind of break down the nuts and bolts of the new year and lay out the vision and uh, new ministries that we're starting, some ministries we're laying down, and how we're going to restructure some things and really just cast the vision to our church of what it is God's saying for 2023 and exactly, you know, how that's going to look and how we're going to walk that out. So if you want all that, you got to come to Sunday, January 22nd. That's not tonight. Everybody say it's not tonight. Tonight, I think God wants to address something before he releases any more vision to us. I think God wants to do something before he releases anything new. Wasn't sure what I was going to minister on tonight, but about a week ago, our team got together and we recorded the services that were going to be for this past Sunday online and then what will happen on January 1st online. And I asked a dear friend of mine who comes to Hope City to uh, bring the word of the Lord for that service. And she brought an awesome message or get to hear it Sunday online. And her message is titled At the Threshold. And it's talking about when you're at a threshold, at a transition from one place to another, there are some specific things that you have to do at a threshold. Everybody say at a threshold. So tonight, I want to minister along those themes, and again, I want you to understand I'm not laying out new vision. I'm not going to declare to you everything that God has for you in 2023, because I, the purpose for tonight and what God put in my heart is he said, I want to address some things concerning my people and concerning this church before I release anything new. You know, even before our kids open their Christmas presents, if your kids are like my kids, their rooms are cluttered with toys, and I don't know how it happens, but like the thing of toys is half broken and broken wheels and broken pieces, and you're like, how did all of that happen? So before Christmas or their birthday comes, we go through all their toys, take out the broken things, ask them, what do you want to give away? What do you want to cleanse? Really what we're doing is we're taking out the junk because we're getting ready to replace what was lost with something better something new, and something fresh. And if you don't do that process, the new thing can be overwhelmed with the old broken. All right. So I want to bring a message tonight that for some may be hard to hear, but it's a key for us to see more victory in 2023. And it's along these lines, you can only embrace in the new year what you're willing to let go of in the old year. If you have a Bible tonight, open it up to Exodus chapter 14 and in verse 5. Exodus 14 and in verse 5. This is a very familiar verse of scripture. It's of the Israelites. And you know the story of the Israelites. They were taken into Egyptian bondage. They were there for about 400 years as slaves. They were building really the empire and structure of the uh, Egyptian empire, and they were not treated very well, but they were initially taken there as a place where they could be fed for a little while. But what's so interesting about the story of the Israelites and Egyptian bondage is while they were taken to Egypt to be fed there for a little while, eventually they needed to be freed from the place that they were fed in. 
I'll say it again. Thanks, Brandy. <laughs> Eventually, they needed to be freed from the place that they were fed in. Some of us have gotten so comfortable because we're fed. It wasn't their home. It wasn't their destiny. It wasn't their call. It's not where God had designed and positioned them to be. It's not wasn't his will for them, but they gotten so comfortable because they had a meal, they had a roof over their head, and after 400 years, it became very familiar to them. There are things that for certain seasons of our lives, certain things meet our needs. The process of growing in God is the continual process of releasing something in order to receive something else. Do you want to know if you are a mature believer? It will be found in your ability to release something and embrace something else. Oh, I need to say it again. Your maturity level is found in how you can release something and embrace something else. Most offense, most areas that people get stuck up on is the fact that something is changing and they don't like it. The world is changing. The church is changing. Something's changing. Their family is changing and they don't like it. The sign of maturity is when I'm able to release something and embrace something new. If you want to get what God has for you in 2023, we have to get good at releasing what was old. So God sends Moses to Pharaoh and really says, I'm Unless I force Pharaoh to let you go, he won't. Unless God forces Pharaoh to let the Egyptian people go, he won't. I want you to know tonight that certain changes are not embraced. They must be forced. Certain changes are not embraced. They must be forced. I'm just taking my time. I know where I'm going, just going slow, letting you, giving you a chance to catch up with me. The only thing that your adversary understands is not reasoning, is not another commitment page, is not another New Year's resolution. Rod Parse used to say it this way, the only thing your adversary understands is a bigger stick. Come on. Is a bigger stick. God is the bigger stick here, right? So some changes can't just be embraced where we just decide, well, I'm going to make a change. If you want your muscles to grow, you can't simply ask them nicely to grow. I've been having that conversation for a long time. But unfortunately, the only way you can force a muscle to grow is to bring it to the point of failure so that its fibers begin to break down and once they break down they begin to grow back stronger let's get to the verse exodus 14 chapter 5 when the king of egypt was told that the people had fled pharaoh and his officials changed their minds everybody say change their minds 
about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. Pharaoh changed his mind because he didn't want to let God's people go. He didn't want to let God's people go. Ten plagues would come down on Pharaoh and Egypt. Through nine of them, he refused to let God's people go until the final one, which was the death of the firstborn of all the uh, male Egyptians. And finally, that caused God's people to be released and let go. And that was a very scary situation, a strange situation. Now the God's people are quickly fleeing overnight on the run. And there's a lot of confusion. But what we need to understand is, or what we need to have a resolve on is, will we resist or will we push against what God is calling us to do? The Israelites left Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. Things are getting rough. Exodus 16.3. The Israelites then said to them, if we had, uh, excuse me, if, we, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out here into this desert to starve this eternal assembly, this, excuse me, this entire assembly to death. You see what they're saying? Back in Egypt, we sat around pots. We had food. We had provision. And it looks like God brought us out into the wilderness to let this entire assembly of people simply starve to death. And here's what I want you to understand. The Israelites wanted to go back to normal. Everybody say normal. The Israelites wanted to go back to normal. But here's what they forgot to understand. It was not normal for God's people to be beaten. It was not normal for God's people to be taken as slaves. It was not normal for God's people to be miserable. But yet they wanted to go back to their normal. I want to challenge you tonight. Are there areas in your life and in your home and in your mind and in your spirit and maybe in your soul where you're desiring to go back to normal, but God is shaking everything that can be shaken because he's saying that for you is not a normal thing. Well, uh, you know, I, I want to go back. I was dating the guy and everything was going good and he broke up with me and I just want to go back to the way it was. I want to go back to normal. And God's saying that relationship for you was not normal. Well, you know, I got the layoff at my job and, and I don't know what I'm going to do and I just want to go back to normal. And God's saying it wasn't normal for you to be in that situation. I've called you for something better. Preacher's going to preach whether you shot me down or not. <laughs> so why did they want to go back? It's what they knew. It's what was familiar. You know, sometimes we can become in bondage to our bondages. 
where the dysfunctional relationship is the only thing that seems normal and comforting to us, where the abusive relationship is the only thing that feels normal and comfortable to us, let me just submit this to you, living paycheck to paycheck is the only thing that feels normal and comfortable to you. And it's so comfortable to you that anytime God brings provision to get you out of the situation, you just spend it because internally, and you're not mentally saying this, but internally, there's a comfort in knowing how you live your life. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to touch on your money. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Jesus makes this statement. This is Jesus who tore the veil by his sacrifice and paid the price once and for all for sin who offers mercy freely, and he's standing before this crowd of people who are used to going into the temple and making animal sacrifices for the atonement of their sin. They're used to sacrificing an animal, and if they didn't have animals, suspending the, the precious money that they had to buy the best animal that they could to bring to the temple to simply atone for their sin. And Jesus is standing in front of this group of people, and he's saying, listen, now in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's flipping the script on them for what was normal worship. Normal worship was bringing the animal and offering the sacrifice and atoning for your sin. And God walks in and Jesus walks in and he says, listen, I'm flipping the entire script on this thing. You know, no longer need to make those old sacrifices because I'm doing a new thing. But sometimes it's hard to let go of what we've been holding on to for so long, even if it's not working anymore. The older I get, and I'm not that old yet, but the older I get, I just get to this place where I don't want to spend. Did you, ever, you know, sometimes you look back at your life and you're like, I can't believe I spent like six years doing that. Like a job that I hated, six years. And in the moment, I just thought, well, that's all I could do. I remember... I did this work for this uh, company, and we did this floor concrete polishing, and uh, it was a new thing for them, and we were doing this massive warehouse. I mean, it was probably like 50,000 square feet, and it was just me doing this entire floor, and I left, I thought back to that, and I remember I was making $7.50 an hour doing that, and I looked back, and I thought, that was a lot of work. But I was so naive, I didn't know to ask for more and realized that I had become the specialist in the company, the only one who could do that. And I could have made a lot more than $7.50 an hour. But sometimes I lay up now and I think all that work, you know, but you ever do it, you look back at a season of your life and I think, yeah, I just can't believe I wasted that. And the older I get, the more I just say, I don't want to waste years on things that aren't working. Come on, somebody. I don't want to keep going around the same mountain again and again and again and again and 20 years from now be going around the same mountain again and again and again. Does anybody else in the house with me? I don't want to keep holding on because it's all that I knew. I don't want to keep holding on because it's scary to let go. I don't want to keep holding on because my history is attached to it. 
But in the season, God's saying, if you want to embrace something new, you have to get real good at releasing something old. The verse goes on in verse 2. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing perfect will. Two words there, conform and transform. Do not be conformed by this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conform means outside influences, people's opinions, the economy, what they say. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. You know where transformation happened? Not by outside influences, but by inside influences. Transformation comes from an inside job. And for those of us who are used to doing it a certain way, when God brings us a new blessing, sometimes it can look actually like a threat. And we can't receive it because we can't release the old. You with me tonight? I preach this story of the Israelites so many times throughout my ministry. And one thing I never quite took into account was that when they left, they left in the middle of the night. And when they left, they left so quickly that they never had a chance to say goodbye. And you're like, well, why would they want to say goodbye? They were captives. They were prisoners. Why would they want to say goodbye? Well, of course they wanted to say goodbye. Remember, they had been there for 400 years, so every person who was leaving had known nothing else but Egyptian bondage. The cities they were leaving were the cities they were born in. That their, many of their ancestors lived in. So they rush out in the middle of the night and they never have this opportunity to really release Egypt. Even though it was killing them, it was what they knew. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You know, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a new nature. You have a new heart. But having a new nature and having a new heart doesn't equal a new life. And having a new number at the end of the year doesn't equate to a new life. A new nature and a new heart are great, but what we really need are new habits that align with our new nature and our new heart. Because I think if I surveyed most of us in the room, we're in the room on a Wednesday night at the end of the year between Christmas and New Year when we're tired, when we've all been through so much and we just want to sit on the couch and watch some Netflix. Do I have anybody in the house with me tonight? But if you're like me, you're identifying that there's something that's different between your new heart and your new nature and what you're experiencing in your life. So you decided not to watch Netflix and to come to the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night so that you could figure out how to get your new nature and your new heart to become your new life. And that only happens when we create new habits. 
When all that you've known is bondage, blessings seem strange. And we're like, God, do a new thing, but make it look like what it was before. Do you know we have denominations built and stuck in seasons of moves of God? If you look at every denomination, what happened was it was a birthing and a revelation of what God was releasing and expanding and bringing to his people at that time. But most of the time, what began to happen is they got, you know, God would say, all right, you got that, you got that, now I'm going to bring this thing about. And people said, well, no, 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 that's new, that's different. Well, what you used to do was new. Remember, there was a church I was helping do a renovation one time, and uh, they had these maroon curtains on the stage and, uh, you know, the maroon carpet. It was like 1980s charismatic church looked like every prophetic warfare banner that, you know, the Brownsville Revival had ever made, they had, because that's what Revival Church looked like. Now, this is in the uh, early 2000s or whatever it was, and, you know, we began to make some of these changes, and we started painting some things black and taking curtains down. And it was so funny because some spirit-filled, charismatic, Holy Ghost-filled, loving Bible Jesus people got so uptight and it just made me laugh because there was a point in history. If you just go back to the 60s and the 70s, where to hang a maroon curtain and not have a stained glass window was revolutionary. To have a preacher preaching in jeans or even a suit, because we started taking away the suits and bringing in the jeans. No, 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 no. That the Holy Spirit comes, the anointing comes when the pastor's in the tie. That's just how it flows out of him. And I begin to laugh because I think now you go back a little bit. For a preacher to take off the robe and preach in a suit was revolutionary. It shook Christianity. And everybody flocked to the new. But now we're 30 years on. And now you got people saying, you can't take my maroon curtain. And you can't take away our suits. And now, can I tell you, what, that, what replaced that is dead. And you have people saying, well, that's not how we do church. And then anything that the church at large was advancing in and doing and planning died suddenly in 2020 when COVID hit and changed the entire structure. I know multiple mega ministries who have never recovered from COVID. I begin to think about our church, and I begin to think, you know, and I, this is no plight on people, because I know what happens. People, you know, you get out of the rhythm, especially some, for some churches, two years out of the rhythm of coming to church on Sunday morning. They just don't return. Some people go off, you know. I begin to think, we, didn't, we, we not only held during COVID, we grew during COVID. And I just had to say, you know what, God, thanks for some people who were willing to stand and keep standing and keep pressing in. Amen? Come on, that's a good thing. But that entirely changed everything about church life and culture. Now the church is trying to figure out, hey, what's next? How do we do this in a world that's totally upside down and chaotic politics are changing every day. Culture is changing every day so rapid. What was in yesterday is out tomorrow. It's just 
It's all changing so quick. And I'm saying to you is if we get stuck where we've been and we get stuck where we are, we miss where God is going. So sometimes we have to let go of the old, embrace the new. Not ask God to do a new thing, but just make it look like it did before. And now for every Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, charismatic, tongue-talking Christian in the room, hear me on this. I've said this before, but just hear me. I told you, I heard Bobby Houston say one time, she said in the last move of God, he was throwing people on the floor, and in the new move of God, he's standing them up and telling them to fight for justice. Can I tell you, I feel such pressure at times from old schoolers. Pastor, make it like it was. <laughs> Knock us down. Make it like it was. Holy Ghost. And you know, I've, even when that was like the thing, like you were church if you all fell down on the floor, I was that pastor who said, I, if you go, you go. I ain't got nothing to do with me. I never pushed nobody, never, you know. There is a way. No, if you just keep your hand there long enough, perfectly still, your body sways. Do you know that? And then so you're going to start to feel like, whoa. Well, yeah, because you can't go front when your body, anyway, that's another thing. What I'm saying is, <laughs> I'm not putting that down. I'm saying that was a real thing when the power of God would hit somebody and they'd fall on the floor. But what I'm saying is in any move of God, there was excesses of it. So abuses begin to happen. But what is so funny is I'm not opposed to any of that. I'm not opposed to God moving that way in our services. Do whatever you want, God. But what I won't do is I won't chase a move of yesterday thinking that it will meet the needs of what God's doing on the earth today. Can I tell you what I believe God's looking for the church to do is he's calling the church to stand up and fight for the underdog of society of people who may not even claim the name of Jesus. Because if we want freedom in our land and freedom in our nation, then we have to stand for freedom of those who even oppose our belief system. So I think the church of tomorrow looks a lot more like social activism, a lot more of people searching out for the underdogs of society and encouraging them, picking up them, you know, by the bootstraps, loving on other people who are different than us than it does rolling on a floor on a Holy Ghost service because that's what made you feel good. Because I want to tell you something. I spent many years rolling on the floor, shaking in the glory, but going home with the same old sin in my heart without a care for anyone around me. My life didn't look any different, but I Put on a good show. All right. So we can't get stuck with where we've been. We can't get stuck where we are. We have to say, God, where are you going? Where are you going? What are you doing? The danger of not going where he's going. Moses knew this. When God met him at the burning bush, I know I got to hurry this thing up. When God met him at the burning bush, he said, I won't go unless your presence goes with me. Unless your spirit goes with me, I won't go. He said, I, I won't do anything unless you're with me. And God's going somewhere. 
he's looking at a lost and dying and hurting world. And he's looking at his church and he's saying, church, there's a new plan. Church, it's a new day. Church, it's a new horizon. Church, it's a whole new culture. Church, it it looks different. It's going to feel different. Will you come with me and will you go with me? And we can choose to say no. I'm comfortable. This is good. And we can have church. We can have church for decades. But not be where God is. Do you see the danger there? We have to be so free, even free from things that we can't control, free from the fear of what the future holds until we are able to stand in this moment and bear the weight of our calling and shedding everything that doesn't come from him, shedding everything that's not productive until we are pruned of everything that doesn't serve a purpose in this season. Let me just go ahead and skip like five pages here quick. The only way for them to step into freedom was to completely leave Egypt. It took them 40 years and a whole generation had to die for them to completely leave Egypt. Can that not be us? Can we not get so stuck in what was that God says, y'all just aren't going to get it? I got to wait for you to die and then raise up your kids. Or you were so bitter that your kids caught your bitterness, I got to raise up somebody else's kids. God, could that not be us? But would we be people that just say, Lord, strip it, take it, prune it? What do you need to let go of? You'll never make it to the other side. But we're... What the message that you're here on the first is this threshold place where you're leaving one space and going into another space. And there are certain things that have to happen at the threshold. Encourage you, watch that sermon. Really quickly, I'm reminded of even Paul's shipwreck, and I'll paraphrase it for time's sake. But Paul was taken prisoner and he was on a ship and a massive storm came and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the captain and the, the workers on the ship put down uh, a bunch of anchors and they were just going to hopefully swim. And, and Paul said, listen, if, if you stay on the ship, you'll live. Just stay on the ship. It's a word from God. You'll live. So they listened and they lived. But then there came a time where the Bible says that the ship ran ground and began to fall apart. What was the word? Stay on the ship and you'll live. But what do you do when the ship hits land and begins to fall apart? Well, the Bible says that actually there were some who were clinging to pieces of the ship and others jumped and swam to land. But you know where we get stuck? God said, stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. I'm staying on. I'll, I'll float on this board. I float. Don't allow a word that was for yesterday to rob you of where you belong tomorrow. Because the word was to stay on the ship for a season, not forever. 
I'm helping somebody right now. Maybe God's calling you to leave the job because the word was to stay on the ship for a season, not forever. And now the ship's falling apart, and it's indicative of God saying the season, the need for that thing is over. Release it and let it go. If you stay on the ship now, you'll go down when the ship is sinking. You don't want to be on a sinking ship. Sometimes we get caught up on a word. There's a lady I knew who, God bless her, she was a wonderful Christian, but she had received a word back in the 80s that her and her husband would do traveling music ministry together. And at some point in the early 2000s, that, you know, that didn't quite happen, but it was always their plan. He had a heart attack and died. And years, you had know, moved on and, she, you know, I ran into her, hey, how's it going? What's going on in your life? And, you know, she began to say, you know, she's been dating other men and, and you know, trying to find the next one, but, but none of them do music. And the word that God gave was that her and her husband would do a traveling music ministry in the future. And our relationship wasn't at that depth anymore, so I didn't pry into it. But I begin to think to myself, well, how many men have you dumped that could have been God's next man for you because you're held on to a word that was for you and a man who died? There's another lady that we, we knew growing up. Her, her husband left her. And she got a word that her husband was coming home. And we would always laugh as a kid because she'd say, oh, he's coming home. And you might think, well, that's great. Look at her stand in faith. Stand, woman, stand. Well, he had gotten remarried and was happily remarried with some new kids, with his new wife. And it had been about 25, maybe 30 years. And at some point, you have to say, well, maybe God wanted him to come home. But he resisted God, but she lost out of ever finding a new spouse or a new relationship because she was unwilling to let go of a word that might have been true in a season, but the season shifted, and now you got to get a new word for a new season. Is anybody with me? So I just want to encourage you. Maybe you've been stuck somewhere. Maybe you've been thinking, I can't move on. I can't move on. And God's saying, let it go. It's over. Quit grieving what was lost. It's a new day and a new season. Embrace what I'm saying for the new. And team, you can come because I, I got to close this down. But I know this is a word tonight. A word for our church. And, it's, and, it's all, and I knew it and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And some sermons you put together and you know it's God's word. Yep, and bringing it to the people. But some that you know are significant because how God spoke to me. When I started pastoring in 2004, our church had moved from one location to another. Big surprise. <laughs> and I was pretty corny back then. Not that I'm any better now, but that was your response to say, no, pastor, you're great. Um, but I thought it would be really cool. And I tried to search for the video. I have the video somewhere of this, but I couldn't find it in time. And uh, I thought it'd be really cool for us when we moved to take our plastic podium. And Joe, Victor and Joanne were there. I don't know if they're here tonight. Dave and Jen would have been there because we used Dave's pickup truck. And we put the podium on the back of the pickup truck. And our church followed a, in a procession line, like a funeral car line. 
as we took the pulpit from the old building to the new because it was a symbol of the glory shifting. It was the early 2000s. I was young. It was... In the moment, it was like, wow, that's so God and that's so good, right? As you see this like plastic pulpit hanging out of some guy's truck and there's a bunch of church people behind it. But anyway, that's what we did nevertheless. And I've always looked at our pulpits as this personally, as a sacred thing. And he reminded me of that. I was in here vacuuming up uh, people's wax. Remember, I did tell you I was going to scan the room. Y'all did actually really good this year. I was impressed. Thank you. I was, I was very shocked, but moving on. <laughs> but I was in here cleaning a little bit this weekend. God reminded me of that. I begin to think of how I have always looked at the pulpit as sacred because I have the privilege and the honor of standing behind here most Sundays. And I can look at a pulpit and think, man, the seasons of my life that I've been standing there, all the changes and transformations in my life that have happened from behind that pulpit. And to me, the sacred words that have come from over the pulpit to the people of God, it's significant to me. That's why I would put a pulpit in the back of a truck and drive a church across town to signify that the glory has shifted. I was over here vacuuming and clear as day, this, I love this pulpit. Wayne made this for us a long time ago. Sorry, didn't want to bring that up, but I've loved it. But I was over here vacuuming and God said, it's clear as day, retire the pulpit because the anointing has shifted. Yes, sir. That's significant for me. And tonight will be the last night we'll ever use this. What's wrong with it? Nothing. There's been a lot of life change that's happened here. We had this pulpit when we left the church we were to launch here. Eight years we've preached the word. I've announced four kids behind this puppy. See, I think I announced my engagement behind this pulpit. But God said retire it because the anointing has shifted. And she might think that's so dumb. But to me, I know, because God knows me, that it's a permanent significance. So we'll use a table for a little while, but we're going to be on a journey to find our new pulpit. But the new pulpit is a signal and significant of the new anointing. Do you understand what I say when I say anointing? The new power and presence of God that he's putting on this church and this ministry for this season. And it may not look anything like we've been as a church. But I have to go where he goes. I have to follow where he leads. Stand to your feet and I'm going to... At the threshold, change happens. Transformation happens. 
we've said how you leave one room is how you enter the next. I don't have time to read this whole prophecy, but I'm going to paraphrase it because it's how I want to end tonight. But this is a prophecy given by somebody named Charlotte Baker in 1981. Long time. And it's pretty long, but the prophecy starts out that she says, I went to the Lord and I said, God, I want to sing. I want to move the hearts of men. And God responds to her and says, it's yours. And she says in her prophecy that she would sing and the hearts of men would be moved, but she would come back to God and say, well, God, I want to speak. I want to preach the word and the conviction and the power and the fire of God come upon men. And God said, as you wish. So she begins to speak, but her heart yet still yearns for more. And she comes back to God and she says, God, I want the power and the fire of God. I, I want to see dead men raised and the sick healed. And he says, as you want. But she comes back to God and she says, but my heart is empty still. I'm going to pick up in the middle of this prophecy. And here's what she says. She says, I went back to my place broken. And I said, God, I have asked thee for all that I desire. And still my heart is not satisfied. Nor do I feel that I have touched the thing that thou hast called me to. In my youth, I had expanded myself with all of the things that my heart had desired. And then one more time, a gracious and loving God visited me in the night season and said, now, what is it that thou desire? And in brokenness of heart, I bowed before him and said, God, only that thing which you desire to give me, do I want. And he said, come with me and I'll take you on a journey. He took me past my friends. He took me past those from whom I had come into the house of the Lord. And he calls me to go into a place alone in the wilderness. And I said, oh my God, thou hast cut me off from those that I love. What are you doing to me? He said, I'm taking you to the place that all men must come to if their heart's cry is to be fulfilled. And on a certain hour, I bowed before a gate that is called the eye of the needle. And there I heard the voice of the Lord say, bow low. And I bowed low. And he said, no, lower. And I bowed lower. And he said, no, lower yet. Thou does not go low enough. And I went as low as I could go. But I had upon my back my books of learning and my instruments of music. I had with me my gifts and abilities. And he said, you have too many. You cannot go through this gate. And I said, God, you have given me these books and these abilities. And he said, drop them or you don't go. And I dropped them. And I went through a very small gate that is called the eye of the needle. And as I went through this gate, I heard the voice of the Lord say, now rise to the other side and as I rose a very strange thing happened to me 
For lo, the gate which was small, that I must lay everything aside, was so wide that I could not fill it. And as I stood in the presence of the Lord, I said, God, what is this thing that you have done to me? For my soul is now satisfied. And he has said, you have come through the gate of worship. Now come, circle the earth with me, and I'll show you a great mystery. I will reveal to you the thing which I am doing among the sons of man. I want you to listen to this. Last paragraph, and I'm done. The Spirit of the Lord caught me away, and he took me to the circle of the earth higher than the eagle's eyes behind where the sun shines or the moon shines. And there at the throne of God, he said, look down towards my people. And I saw a strange thing. I saw my companions gathered around that very small gate. I saw them wringing their hands and crying and saying one to another, God has given us these instruments of war. This sword is my sword. I will yield my sword and I will bring down the enemy. I cannot go through this gate. For if I go through this gate, I will have to put down my instruments of war. But God's called me to be a warrior. Therefore, I will not do it. I heard another one say, me? Lay down my instruments of music. Lay down all that God has given me to go through that silly gate to be nothing. And I saw as they stood aside in their pride, afraid to bow themselves before a small gate. And then I saw again, the Lord brought me closer to the gate. I saw men bow low, laying down everything they had as they came through the very wide gate on the other side. Their instruments of music were there. Their swords were there. Their books were there. And the power was there. I've always loved that prophecy and her vision, her experience. And what I'm submitting to us as a church tonight, and just if you can just close your eyes and be in this moment as I close this. What I'm submitting to us as a church tonight, what I'm submitting to you individually, tonight's not about vision for 2023 and beyond. Tonight's about us making space Tonight's about us saying, God, what is it that we have to lay down? And like this prophecy said, maybe it's the things that we've identified as charismatic, spirit-filled, warrior. But maybe we have to lay some things down so that we can follow him through a very narrow gate to where he's going. So as we close tonight, I just want you, whether you sit, stand, kneel, whatever you want to do, I want you to take a moment with the Lord. And I want you to say, Father, what do I have to lay down what are you calling me to put aside in this season? 
What are you calling me to give up in this season? I told you a few weeks ago, God's called me in this next season to begin to pull away from worship ministry and we're making uh, things happen even now for me to begin to do that. And it's something that I have loved and carried all of my life, but in this next season, I understand that I can't be who I was in a previous season if I'm ever going to rise to who he wants me to be in the next season. Come on, somebody. What pieces of your identity that you've held on to? This is who I am. Some of you empty nesters in the room tonight, you're in a season of struggle because you've identified as one thing for so long. And you don't know who you are without a full house. But God's saying you have to let go of a previous season in order to embrace a new season. And I can't tell you what that is. Only God can tell you what that is. But I want to give you a moment before I dismiss you tonight to pray and ask God to reveal that to you. So go ahead and get comfortable for just a few moments.
comfortable I know it's cold season but if you feel comfortable grabbing the hands of the person beside you do that and stand to your feet hopefully the Lord has spoken to you individually about how you need to make space personally maybe it's investing more into you're already doing, investing more into your craft, your gift. Maybe it's really leaning into something. Maybe it's dropping something else. But now I just want us as a church, if we would, to do this and say this before the Lord, Pastor Travis, he'd come and I don't know if Pastor Jason's in here or not. Come on, everybody. But let's just, I'm going to pray this, but just receive this as our church, as a family. But Father, we stand before you tonight as a church, as a gathering of people who gather themselves around your name. And Father, we don't want to exist to just exist. We don't want to do all of this to just do it, to fill time. But we want to be a church who's where you are, who's on mission with you, who follows you, who runs and chase after you. So Father, we commit ourselves tonight to lay down anything that's not working, to close any doors that need to be shut, to turn our back on any type of theology or way of thinking or ministry pattern that is no longer what you're in or what you're doing. And we're saying we are willing to be uncomfortable, willing to be shaken, willing to be pruned, willing to be cut and made uncomfortable as long as it's where you are. That we could be a church that you would look at and say, well done. Well done. 
well done. Well done. And that's our cry, Father. We commit that to you tonight. As a church, we commit that to you. In the days and weeks and months to come, speak to us of things that need adjustment. And we commit this to you, Father. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Right.